Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Clement. Before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to sponsor Qatar Racing. Thrilled to be partnered with Qatar Racing once again, uh, who's been a tremendous support throughout the entire year. Qatar Racing is a subsidiary of Kipco, the largest sponsor in British flat racing as a global racing and breeding operation. Qatar Racing Chairman Sheikh Fahad bin Abdullah Al Thani has created an expansive international sponsorship portfolio to include include the Breeders' Cup and events like the Pegasus World Cup Turf. Qatar Racing has over 100 horses in training, many mares and foals, yearlings and four top-class stallions in Cameco, Zeus Star, Havana Gold and Lightning Spear. Don't miss out on the great Qatar Racing action and you can learn more at www.inthemoneypodcast.com slash Qatar. All right, final episode of In the Ring for the year, wrapping up 2023, which is pretty crazy. Um, just about holiday time, Christmas coming up, uh, my family coming down to Florida from Connecticut, which is really exciting. Have my husband Miguel's family here in Florida as well, which is a lot of fun. So looking forward to celebrating uh, here. It took me a little bit of time to get accustomed to Christmas in Florida. I'm born and raised in Connecticut. And I always had, you know, dreams of the white Christmas and the snow and sleigh rides, all of that stuff. But the older I've gotten, the more I can embrace the lights around the palm trees. Even though it's a little bit chilly by Florida standards down here, it's still warmer than Connecticut and New York. So I will take it. I will take it. That's for sure. And you can still decorate inside. My house is very festive down in Florida and I love it. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the holidays. Um, cannot believe that it's just uh, about the end of the year. I feel like 2023 is absolutely flown by. So what better opportunity than the end of the year to reflect back on uh, what's happened in 2023? And my um, guest today will do exactly that, giving some great insights, some great behind the scenes stories, talking about different horses that a lot of people I know are, are big fans of as well. So uh, we'll get right to it. Like I said, probably last episode of the year. And just want to say a big thank you to everybody that has listened in in the entirety uh, of this show from the very beginning. I think it's been what, three years that I've been doing in the ring now? Which is wild, time is flying. Um, I was Acacia Courtney when we started doing in the ring before I got married. But uh, yeah, I'm really grateful and I love the opportunity to get a chance to talk with so many interesting guests and have so many people listening and enjoying the show as well. So we'll get right to it, final episode of 2023. So happy to welcome in today's guest, um, somebody that if you follow racing at all, you are at this point very, very familiar with. He's also somebody that I know the media is a very big fan of because he's always super accommodating with interviews no matter what time it is. Uh, trainer Brad Cox joining me. Brad, thanks so much for taking the time as always. Thanks, Acacia, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, there was a summer where I just feel like Brad would just see me coming in Saratoga and he'd just stop and be like, oh, she wants an interview. Here's another one. <laughs> um, so it is appreciated. Yeah, no, Saratoga is an awesome place. And when they're interviewing at Saratoga, you're in the right spot for sure. And we saw you with some nice winners um, this summer, too. I thought it'd be kind of fun to have you on, um, reflect back on what's been yet another tremendous year for your stable. And, of course, with some big horses, um, particularly, I think, with Idiomatic, who just had a, a sensational year. Can you take us back to, to the beginning of 2023 for us with her? Because she's one that kind of burst on the scene this year in what's always been a pretty deep distaff division. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it looked like she took control of the division there, you know, in the summer there at Saratoga with her first grade one win. Um, but yeah, no, you know, she, she showed a lot of talent as a two-year-old and we got her started, um, you know, in March of her three-year-old season, she won first time out and she ran on the dirt at Churchill and uh, ran well, but she needed time off. And uh, we actually wasn't certain she would even come back. Um, mm -hmm. uh, well, obviously she had a, a setback at the age of three. So we just give her a tremendous amount of time. Judd might give her a tremendous amount of time, brought her back. We thought we'd keep her close to home, put her through her paces at Turfway, uh, see if she responded. And she did. She came back really, really well. And, you know, she's the one that just continued to build every single race and just get stronger and experienced. And she, you know, really, um, you know, put it all together and had a fantastic, uh, 2023. Of course, culminating with that win in the Breeders' Cup distaff. And, um, she, she's a cool horse too. And she's a big imposing Philly daughter of curl and a surprise, but can you talk about ones that maybe are a little bit of those later developing types that you have to have a little bit more patience with? Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I mean, obviously Judmont does an incredible job here, here in America with with Garrett, a rookie, he oversees it obviously, and you know he knows the ones that are meant to be early and the ones that are not early. And she obviously, with her physical uh, and pedigree, was not going to be an early filly. Uh, one that you know you probably didn't mean that she wouldn't wouldn't get started around one turn, but chances are she was one with as, as much leg as she had and scope as she had. You know, would probably start around two turns, and she did there at Curfway. Uh, I think Manny Franco rode her the first time, and I think coming down the lane, she was kind of leaning in. He's like, "Man, this thing can really, really run." <laughs> like she has no clue what she's doing, and it's just so much raw talent. With a physical like that, and you mentioned like with the physical and pedigree, knowing that they're not going to be early. Obviously, Judd Mott's an operation that's been there done that throughout the years mm -hmm. but sometimes it can kind of be that pressure of owners to want to win first out want to win at saratoga del mar whatever it might be and how do you kind of combat that when looking at a horse that's maybe telling you hey I i'm not going to be one of those early types yeah i mean you know all of us trainers i mean most of us all have a pretty good idea based off pedigree and physical as to what the horse is going to want to do um um and obviously start training them and you really get a good idea as to what they're going to do early speed, um, how precocious they're going to be. And, and so much of it comes back to pedigree. I mean, um, you know, you may have ideas, but uh, oftentimes it does come back to that pedigree um, on if, if they'll go along. Perfect example. I, I look back at Nick's go and he taught me mm -hmm. a tremendous amount. Like I didn't have him early on. Uh, ben Colbrook had him, did a great job with him, won a great one with him. We picked this horse up. I, it would have been late in his three-year-old season. We run him for the first time um, early in his four-year-old season. But he was a very, very stout, somewhat of a um, – looked like a horse would probably be more of a seven-eighths miler physically. But based off, you know, pedigree, he was a um, painter. Painter was also, again – so, I mean, there was, there was enough stamina in that pedigree for him to, you know, be very effective going a mile and an eighth. And I thought on the right racetrack, like a Del Mar, he was capable yeah. of getting a mile and a quarter. So um, a lot of it does come back to that pedigree, but they, regardless of the physical. And sometimes, you know, you look at them physically and, you know, it goes back to the pedigree. Maybe they just don't want to go as far as you think they will, you know, just based off pedigree or physical. How much stock do you put into that as a trainer at the beginning? I know you're, you're involved uh, with all of the sales and um, that's obviously something that you look at, but kind of at the beginning, how much do you let that pedigree influence what you think a, a plan might be? Um, it, 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 you know, I, it, it crosses, definitely crosses your mind when you're training the horse and when you start working them out of the gate as to, you know, maybe what, what they're going to want to do. But ultimately, 
for me, my stable and how we assess our horses, we're looking for speed. That's mm -hmm. the first thing. That doesn't mean all of our horses have a tremendous amount of speed or they're going to be really fast from the gate. But we all ask them for that regardless. Um, a perfect example, a few years ago, we had a good filly, Aunt Pearl. She was very fast. Yeah. I mean, and she was very, you know, she was a Lope de Vega filly, European bred, thought, you know, and she worked so well on the dirt. Like, man, if she did ever come off the turf, you, you you would definitely cross your mind running her. And she was very quick away from the gate. So she was one that obviously had a lot of speed in the afternoons as well. But, you know, our program's set up to ask them to come out of there running be forwardly placed. And, uh, you know, some of them take it, some of them don't. And then that's when we say, hey, look, this one may need to go long. First time he's not going to be able to keep up going short or, um, you know, if, if obviously if they, you know, have enough speed based off, regardless of the pedigree, we may ask mm -hmm. them to go short a time or two and then hopes of them stretching out eventually. A horse that I think is another good example of showing that speed that, that also had a good year, a Saudi crown for you, a horse that um, came out of a two-year-old sale and another one that maybe was a little bit later onto the scene as a, a three-year-old, but winning a race like the Pennsylvania Derby, a good account of himself up in Saratoga. Though he's not the biggest, boy, he's able to carry that speed. He, he is, and it, it comes back, I think, a little bit to pedigree and just yeah. obviously he came out of a two-year-old sale. He was you know, prepped early on to show speed. He did. I remember the first time we watched him work at Keeneland. Um, I remember he's on the outside. He was going three. I like, wow, this horse can run. Like, he's a nice horse. And every week, I'd say for a month or two, he he continued to show that talent. Obviously, he showed enough to, for us to put him on a van, take him to Saratoga as a two-year-old. Was nearly ready to run, uh, make his debut. And he he had a, had a small setback with an ankle, very small mm -hmm. setback. And and uh, the ownership group just allowed us to do give us as much time as he needed, and we 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 had him, we we actually got him back going last winter in Louisville at the training center of the Churchill Downs training center. We we knew he was a we thought he was a runner, and we held him up and you know got him got him rolling at Keeneland, and he you know he he had a great summer and fall, and and uh, was one that always had speed and talent from the start. And then a horse that is kind of the opposite of that example would be one like Wet Paint, who we also saw with, with a good year, but she's one that she often would tend to just take herself so far out of it, but she didn't really seem to care. I became a really big fan of her this summer because she didn't really seem to care what the pace was like. No, she would run into a soft pace or or a hot, well, obviously you're looking for a hot pace with a yeah. filly like her, but, and, and, you know, back to her, you know, we debuted her on the grass. Yeah. um at Kentucky Downs and I think it, it it had a lot to do with the lack of speed she showed of the mornings we liked her she showed some continuance in her works and her first start at Kentucky Downs really threw me off I mean it was like whoa like I, I expected her to run well she didn't run as well we brought her back I think at Indiana going long in the mud and I can remember watching the race at Indiana thinking to myself what am I going to do with this Philly like <laughs> he trains better than this and then when you know it here she comes running down the lane and she, she gets up to win and you know, obviously, um, you know, I was, I think, I think there in the January when she, she broke through with that stake, when she kind of obviously stamped herself as, um, you know, a filly that could be competitive and graded stakes in that three-year-old filly division. But honestly, before that, I didn't really know what, <laughs> what she was good at and what, she, you know, and how good she was going to be. She was one that kind of had to prove it in the afternoons as opposed to what she showed us in the mornings. And she definitely proved herself throughout the year. And she's she's a homebred for Godolphin, Idiomatic, who we mentioned, a homebred um, for Judmont. And you've had success of 
for many big owners, but and primarily, primarily, I look at kind of these two top historic outfits, and um, you just think of them as kind of those high quality bloodlines, those high quality horses. What's it like being able to to train for outfits like those, and knowing that the horses that you receive um, are coming with just such a, a storied reputation behind them? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, all, all these horses from from Genmai and Godolphin, they're going to have, um, you know. Lots of black type. It may not be in the first dam, but it's definitely going to be in the second second dam. So, you know, big, big pedigrees. Um, you know, they're great, obviously great clients to work for and uh, very patient, you know, willing to, you know, they take they take the bad news as, as well as they do the good. And, the, you know, they've been in the game for a long time and uh, understand what it's about. And, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to be a part of the team. They have other fantastic trainers throughout the country and throughout the world, actually. So, um, you know, I'm just very fortunate to to be a part of their team and just try to add to to their um, their legacy with uh, some you know great bloodlines. Was there a little bit more pressure in 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 training for outfits like those, particularly at the beginning? No. Um, well, you know, I, honestly, I'm very competitive, so I want to do <laughs> I want to do well for anyone that gives me an opportunity, yeah. and that's just that's my honest honest answer. I mean, if you're giving me an honor opportunity and you're trusting me, I want to do well for you. Um, but no, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't really feel like that. They're very, very good to deal with. I mean, once again, um, so, and obviously in the beginning, I don't know them as well, but yeah, I, I think, I think you want to do well for them. So you continue to get horses year in, year out. And, uh, um, I wouldn't say more pressure, but you know, you just, you just want to do well for them. And like I said, you really want to do well for everyone that gives you an opportunity. I mean, and you want to be, I mean, that's my thing. I mean, I've built my whole, whole thing about around just being honest and giving our owners, you know, a, a just a read on what we're seeing. It doesn't mean we're always right, mm -hmm. but it, it just giving them a read on what we're seeing of the mornings and what we're going to expect to see in the afternoons. And, you know, sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong, but, you know, just letting them really know, you know, how, how their horses are training and, you know, when, when they need to be stopped on and, and, and kicked out at the farm and, and given time. And those are two kind of big historic outfits. And then, of course, you you look at kind of the other end of the spectrum and having success. I think, you know, people always go back to the story with Monomoy Girl, modest purchase price and the amount of success that she had on the racetrack and um, what a star she became. Are there kind of lessons that maybe you as a trainer have learned over the years and seeing kind of where horses come from and the success that it may turn into down the line? Yeah, for sure. Monomoy Girl is a perfect example. Um <laughs> Uh, of of one that you know as she got older she got better she was obviously good from the start but she was another one could not get out of the gate early on we just struggled with getting her. she was at ellis park and tessa my assistant's been with me for years i can remember her sending me videos like i can't get this billy to break and we started her on the grass because you know if we've started on the dirt we just felt like she was going to get left so far um and we, you know, we we obviously got her over to the dirt but she's another one at, at when she's coming out of her two-year-old season and she was second in the goldenrod she was very impressive. I think it was the rag the riches. She was very impressive going a one-term mile. She came back from the golden ride, started looking around. I always feel like she kind of maybe got herself beat that day, just mm. inexperienced. Um, I kind of left that race thinking to myself or through the winter before she started as a three-year-old, if she really, how far she really wanted to go. Yeah. Um, I come up, man, maybe this is a filly that'll be good in the test or something or the acorn. Um, but you know, obviously she was able at three to win going a mile and an eighth twice. So she developed, right. She got better, um, yeah. with racing and, 
and the pedigree she was out of a, a she was by a stallion by tap it being tapazar um so she was able to put it all together and go a mile in an eighth so i think she taught me a lot about how horses develop from two to three and in her case um she missed her four-year-old season but then came back at the age of five and was able to win a couple grade ones at, at the age of five and be a champion at three and five so um she taught me a tremendous amount yeah, she was amazing and so much, so much fun to watch. And um, kind of as we saw her progress, we saw kind of your stable continuing to grow over the last several years in a barn that's become such a powerhouse. And like I said, looking back on another really strong 2023, um, what are some of the things that, that you feel like are maybe A, kind of the, the biggest lessons, the biggest takeaways, and then B, kind of what's the driving force to keep going for all even more of those big, big wins that we're all searching for? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, um, you know, you, I, I mean, when you, when you win big races, there's no feeling like it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just the, the Breeders' Cup or, or, you know, Belmont, the Belmont is very special to me with yeah. essential quality. Um, but in the Kentucky Oaks, both Kentucky Oaks, with she, there's a devil monomoy means so much, but, you know, just a lot of, a lot of hard work, a lot of years. I mean, I, I think I always say back, you know, oh, like the last four, five, six years, people say, oh, where did Brad come from? You know, who's this guy? You know, and I was like, you know, listen, people don't fall. I was, you know, I'll tell you where I was. I was 15 years ago. I was at Turfway running horses on Friday night yeah. uh, in the last race. And no, Blood Horse isn't there to interview you. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, you pay your dues. And, mm -hmm. and I think, I think I've definitely paid my dues. I put my time in. I, I started on from the bottom, hot walker, room, foreman, assistant, and, um, you know, struggled for a long time training and, and, you know, had an opportunity. I think, obviously, I think my biggest breakthrough was when Midwest gave me an opportunity. Um, and I think it was like 2010 with a lot of horses. I never had more than like 15, 20 horses at a time. And then, then when they came to my barn, I was able to have 40 or 50. Um, and then, you know, just gradually built. And it went from, you know, a lot of claiming horses to two-year-olds and, you know, maybe cheaper two-year-olds. But then obviously over the last six, seven years, you know, really nice, expensive horses that, you know, you're, you're, you're sent to develop. That's why they send them to you. you want to, they want you to develop them and, and try to get to Saturday afternoon races. And that's the goal. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun. It's very fun. I mean, I, I don't even, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I left the barn at 1230 today and I thought to myself, you know, this is, this is fun. I mean, I, I do get, there's days where, you know, you're tired, but it's fun and, you know, it's fun to win races and, and we have a we have an incredible team. Um, all these guys that been with me a long, long time. All my assistants, and you know, we got different locations where we're able to place these horses where they need to be. Not all these horses are Saturday afternoon horses, and not mm -hmm. all of them are or or Churchill Downs or or or, or horses that belong on the Nava circuit. They're horses that you know a little bit you know lower level, and and we try to find their level. And, and once again, um, you know, win races for the client, and hopefully that we get repeat business. So we're coming to the end of the year. Um, you know, this is the time when a lot of horses will go to the breeding shed or maybe have a winter vacation or kind of some of the bigger horses move on to whatever their second career might be. So coming up in the spring, we're all going to be restocking the two-year-old sales coming mm -hmm. around, um, looking ahead to starting off again with those two-year-old races and what the next year might bring. So when you go to kind of rebuild at the start of the next year, like every stable does, what are the, some of the things that you look for like you said with horses to potentially develop well i i 
prefer horses that are eventually going to get two turns. That that's that's my big thing. Or what we're hoping seven eighths or a mile. Um, that that's what we're looking for, and we're looking for horses that have speed. That not necessarily mean they have to be on the lead, but horses that are you know able to to break, be involved, and, and be forwardly placed and carry their speed. Um, you know, hopefully a mile or more. Um, I think that's what fits our program. And um, in regards to the Tyrrell's sales, I mean, it's very exciting. I mean, it, it's, you know, we, we try to, I always try to attend the March sale for sure. Sometimes the April sale with the Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks, it can get, it can get tough to get down to OBS mm -hmm. for that sale. But, um, you know, it's an exciting time and, and, and always try to plan a trip to, to Florida the end of January to look, look at two or, well, yeah, fresh two-year-olds, yearlings that were purchased in September and, um, you know, make a visit to a couple farms and, and um, you know, once again, get ready for the March sale and and be active at the April two-year-old and training sale as well. And we've seen you uh, with partnerships kind of be active at, at sales as well, looking for potential cult horses that can kind of win, like you said, those Saturday afternoon races, those those mm -hmm. big races that are kind of the hallmark of American racing, really. Um, tell us a little bit about that initiative and, and why that's something that's appealing. Well, I mean, nowadays when you, you find a cult that, you know, that what you're, you're, you're trying to develop a stallion. Mm -hmm. And, and nowadays when you, when you find that the horse with the pedigree and the physical, <laughs> it takes mm -hmm. partnership. It's just easier on, on the clients to, yeah. to, to team up and, and take a chance and, 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 you know, rather than go to the cell and buy five horses, then go to the cell and buy 20 horses. It just gives them a little bit better chance. Um, uh, you know, I think it, it, it is a, um, it is a formula that will work. Um, it may not work every year, but it will work. Um, and, you know, ultimately that's probably the biggest prize or the biggest way to get rewarded in, yeah. in the thoroughbred business is, is doing a stallion deal. Um, so um, obviously, you know, you have to have a horse that once again, it has to have the physical and it has to have the pedigree and it has to perform in the afternoon. Um, and those are three very, very tough things to find. Yeah. And, and, and the first two, the physical and the pedigree, it cost. It cost mm -hmm. a lot of money. And then, you know, you got to hope for the best. And, and then I think that's where a lot of luck plays in selecting the right horse and having them go down the right path. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, what 2024 may bring. And But Brad, uh, congratulations on what's been an amazing 2023. And um, as always, thanks for taking the time and, and sharing some really, really fun insight. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kaysha. Thank you very much for having me on. And that wraps up today's episode. Big thank you to trainer Brad Cox uh, for providing the insights, great stories today. Thank you again to Qatar Racing for all of the support and making this show possible. And thank you to you, all of the wonderful listeners. Um, as always, please feel free to share this episode. Um, of course, you know, let me know if there are any other interesting topics out there as far as pedigree sales, a little bit of everything on this show. Wishing you all a very, very happy holiday season and a happy new year as well. Here's hoping that 2024 is full of success, health, happiness, all of the good things. Um, as always, be sure to check out all of the great content over on In The Money Media on the website. Check out all of my wonderful colleagues and the great content that they're putting out and just enjoy uh, the last few days of 2023. Thanks and see you next time on In The Race.